All the music that you'll hear on today's podcast is a soon-to-be-released song called Canto Ancestral by Khalil Cummings. us as we get to know the Brazilian percussion music making community one interview at a time. Hi, I'm Diana. And this is Courtney. Hello, everybody. Hey, we're back. <laughs> right here. We never left. <laughs> so what's going on, Courtney? Mm, I went and saw a good show last night. Nice. Uh, staple in Portland, mm-hmm. Jujuba, the Afrobeat group Mm -hmm. it was pretty fun went out with some friends so that was good how about you i watched my trailblazers (laughs) oh Oh, into the atlanta hawks last night um yeah that was my exciting evening um in a measles free environment (laughs) hopefully hopefully (laughs) (laughs) so there's a measles outbreak in portland and uh because no one vaccinates their kids well a bunch of people don't vaccinate their kids and um they said that one kid went to a uh blazers game the other day and so everybody got exposed. And was at Ikea, too. I don't know. Oh, really? Kid, but Ikea had somebody there, too. And I was there on New Year's Day, so I hope it wasn't that same day. <laughs> but you're probably vaccinated, I, right? I, We're from the, yeah. the vaccine generation. I am vaccinated, yes. So Generation V. <laughs> All is good, I believe. <laughs> um, and Courtney is going to Brazil soon, so uh, that's exciting. And uh, we've already lined up some interviews. Um, we've been making some connections, and we're excited about those that will happen. So those will be out later. This yeah, spring, one, probably. one of those I was so excited about, I just started crying. And then, like, I just got good news from several different areas, you know, in my life, and I was just like crying because everything was so, so nice. I love, I, I love doing this podcast. I really appreciate everybody for listening to this podcast because um, this is, I do this for you guys. So much fun, and yeah. and the one, one of the ones that I uh, connected with, just these people are so nice about it. They're so excited to talk and and share their, uh, you know, their passion and. It's just been great connecting with people like this. Yeah, they want to they want to get connected with with the audience mm-hmm. and you guys. So yeah, it's cool. It's a two way street. <laughs> yeah. So today we have um, a really awesome uh, interview with a gentleman from the LA area. Mm-hmm. Interesting person. Yeah, he's just he's yeah. a great mix of just like knowledge of a lot of different um traditions like connected african diasporic traditions that you know well you'll hear about it in the interview but he's a yeah all encapsulated into one person it's pretty cool yeah so um this week we are talking to khalil cummings a los angeles native he's an acclaimed drummer exceptional performer composer and educator khalil was recognized as a child prodigy very early and since childhood, he has played with numerous reputable groups, including Ballet Folklorico do Brasil, Sona Sané, 
Abalaye, Mila Samba School, Inu Olorun, Debbie Allen Dance Company, Les Amazones, <laughs> and Viva Brazil. Khalil honed his rhythmic gifts with noted teachers including Mestri Amen Santu, Jose Ricardo Souza, Kobla Ladzikpo, the late Esteban Chacha Bacayao, and Sandy Perez. His studies in Guinea, Brazil, and Cuba have helped to widely broaden his knowledge and musical strength. However, he is most profoundly influenced by West African master drummer Mamadi Keita, with whom he has studied since the age of 13. Khalil helped start the group Balandugu Khan, which was sanctioned by Keita as representing the voice of Balandugu, the village where Keita was born. His compositions can be heard on his debut album, Inike Baba, recorded live in Guinea, West Africa. Khalil was the musical director for opening numbers for both the the NAACP Image Awards and the Choreographers Awards in 2004. Since then, he has performed with several renowned artists such as Janelle Monet from American Idol, Shakira, and other big name artists. He recently recorded percussion for Alo Black in a song titled Let the Games Begin, which was featured in the movie Race. In addition, Khalil performed with Pharrell Williams in the 2015 and Kendrick Lamar in the 2016 Grammy Awards, which is like super cool. His prolific abilities have taken him as far as Japan, where he produced and recorded music for Takara Zuka, an elite Japanese theater ensemble, and for Pomba, a well-known fitness company. Currently, Khalil plays and tours with international recording artist Rocky Duni and can be heard on the album Branches of the Same Tree, which he earned a Grammy nomination for Best Reggae Album of the Year in 2016. He is now the musical director for Vive Brazil, Los Angeles' premier Afro-Brazilian dance company. His latest musical project, Capo Fresh, a hypnotic blend of West African, Afro-Cuban, Brazilian, and hip-hop rhythms fused with an L.A. sound, is due out later this year. And it's a great... Go listen to it on his website. We'll put a link. It's great. Hope you enjoy the interview. We had a lot of fun doing it. podcast listeners thank you for joining us welcome to the brazilian beat this is courtney hey this is diana welcome what's new diana oh there's all kinds of new stuff going on (laughs) i'll talk about that at a later date um you know it's carnival season there's all kinds of stuff going on so um so many awesome videos coming out getting exciting yeah a lot of videos and yeah um and Courtney's going to be going off to Brazil here in a few weeks, so um, excited to get some interviews down there. We've already set up, so yeah. But we've got one here today that we're really excited about. Yes, and today we have Khalil Cummings. Thank you for coming on the show, Khalil. Greetings, Alafia, everyone. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes. Oh, thank you for coming on. We've been we've been watching <laughs> you for a while, <laughs> and wanted to talk nice. to you. That sounds creepy, Diana. (laughs) (laughs) It does. That sounds very creepy. (laughs) So let's start from the beginning. Tell us, um, tell us about you or tell us about you. Tell us about yourself and like where you grew up and how you first started encountering music. So I grew up in Los Angeles, California. 
And um, as far as music, I've been blessed, you know, um, at an early age because my father, Rasan Cummings, was a musician, he was a percussionist. And he was a part of the early generation of uh, drummers that helped really pioneer the, the Los Angeles African diaspora community. Um, meaning that like Afro-Cuban, Afro-Brazilian, mm -hmm. West African from Guinea style to Senegalese style, um, whatever, you know, they can get their hands on. And, you know, coming out of the jazz movement that really like in Los Angeles was really, really doing well. Um, then in Lemur Park, a uh, very nice cultural area that we have here, still still going, even though now it's getting gentrified, but back in the early uh, late 80s, early 90s, um, there was a beautiful drum community that was birthed, drum and dance. So my dad was a part of that. And so I kind of just was born into it. Uh, I don't really remember knowing anything else. Drums always happening at the house. Um, he put me in, you know, to build relationships with a lot of teachers. So I have a lot of babas, like a lot of elders, you know? That's awesome. Um, yeah. Who wash over me and and really definitely mm -hmm. help guide and, and help me hone these skills, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, I was really born for this. I feel that the djembe is probably my most, the instrument that I connect with the most. I've been initiated. I've been to Africa eight times and um, I've studied that under the direction of Mama Diketa. Right. You're a longtime um, student of his. Yeah. So the first time I went to Guinea, I believe I was 12 years old. Actually, 11. No, 12. Sorry. Wow. And um, quickly, I developed. Hey, Khalil, can I ask mm -hmm. you, what, what were the circumstances that, that took you to Africa? How did, how did that all happen? So, beautiful. Um, basically, uh, a group that I was a part of, they were called Abalaye, drum and dance troupe. They got a grant to bring Mamadi Keita to do some workshops here in L.A. Mm -hmm. And I came to the class. I was 11 years old. And I was keeping up, if not, you know, really killing it in the class with all the adults. And so Mamadi looks over. He's like, yo, who is that? And so he goes to my dad when everything was over. Like, he has to come to Guinea. Like, he has to come. Don't worry about whatever it is we'll take care of it just make sure that he comes in january and so my dad made it happen and nice. we went and from there we developed a spiritual connection and a relationship that is active till today you know wow now had your uh, father studied with mamadi already at this point just workshops mm -hmm. here and there yeah and for our so, listeners who may not know who mamadi is can you tell Tell a little bit about him and talk about him. So, and yes, in the West African drumming um, community, you have the djembe, which is the heart and soul and the tool, the healing tool of Guinea, of Guinea, of West African peoples, their main instrument, hailing from the Mali Empire. Um, it was created for the king, the first king of the Manding Empire, Sunjata Keita. And um, he was known as the true Lion King and really the pioneer of, of Manding culture. And so years later, you know, the djembe is one of the most popular instruments on the planet. You had this mm -hmm. young legend, Mama Diketa, who, along with 
a few different elder masters, but he's renowned to be the pioneer of the reason why Jinbei left Africa and is popular in the world today. And he, along with another Jinbei followed by the name of Famadou Konate, uh, pioneered the way to teach traditional and folkloric rhythms to Westerners. And so they wrote books, they created breaks, even the way that we do dance class, the way they orchestrate, everything that we know now that we do in, in ballets and more contemporary forms, they were the ones that pioneered that. Mm. So, yeah. Um, he also has a world-renowned school. Um, it's called Tam Tam Manding. So he certifies teachers and instructors and um you know, it, it gives people a, a way to learn in a system. But really what it does for me, it just really exposes not only the rhythms, but the culture, the understanding, the approach to Jinbei. And from there, it's not to say that his way is the only way, but from there you can go on to study with whoever you want and really have a, a foundation and understand Jinbei as a whole. Wow, as a 12-year-old, that must have yeah. been... Really fun, one. <laughs> and wow, what an experience. Well, I'd say um I definitely had I definitely had a very interesting social life in school. Um the first time I left the country, actually I went to Brazil when I was eleven years old. Nice. And I traveled to Brazil um with my capoeira teacher, my master, uh Amen Santo. And he, another pioneer legend in here in Los Angeles, was really the first to kind of take capoeira and really take it from Brazil and show that this is an Afro-Brazilian art form. It's not only a martial art, it's a dance. And, you know, he, he was a part of the movie Only the Strong, which now is like, you know, stereotypical movie for capoeiristas. If there's capoeiristas listening, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> but that, as funny as that movie was, you know, it really exposed capoeira. And now it's one of the, you know, most popular martial art forms in the world. It's growing and growing, you know. And so I was a part of Masi Amen's ensemble or capoeira group since I was, what, six, seven years old. Because my father, again, working with all of these people in the community, he uh, met. Uh, Massey Amen in Lemur Park. Same, everything for me happened in Lemur Park. It's so interesting. So Massey Amen had a show he was doing and my dad was performing right before and Massey Amen needed drummers. He saw my dad and said, hey, can you play these rhythms? Long story short, they developed a relationship and again, Massey Amen was like, your son is special. Let's, let's, I want to train him. I was the first kid student, so there was no kids classes at this time you know, in the academy. And now, uh, I mean, at this point, we're about, we're going on our 30-year anniversary as a Capoeira school. Wow. So, um, to backtrack. Awesome you were exposed so young. I mean, there's yeah. not too many people, I think, in the United States that get exposed, who fall in love with, yeah. you know, African right. diasporic music that get exposed to it as a child. Right. It's you know? true. It's true. That's awesome. So, who also have aptitude for it. You know? Right. Yeah, I, I felt like it's always something I loved, you know? I mean, I feel that whatever in my past life or whatever I was doing in heaven, I must have been flipping around all over the place <laughs> and I must have been drumming on everything because <laughs> that's that's all I ever wanted to do. Bouncing you know? off the clouds, yeah. Yeah. 
Cool. Yeah. What was your um? Then so I guess the capoeira was your first encounter with Brazilian music, right? Yeah. And how how did you get into the Afro Brazilian? So one thing that was very is you is unique about my master, I mean Santo, is that he's also a musician and a dancer. Um, he is an omo shango, meaning that his head, he's a selected head of the orisha, the, the divine god that we celebrate in Brazilian tradition as known as shango. One of many. And so he started a, a troupe. So aside from the capoeira, he had a ballet folklorico do Brasil. That's what they were called. And so, you know, I got exposed to all of that. I mean, they did everything from capoeira, maculele to samba, to candomblé, obviously. Um, and so I was just around that. And so obviously going to Brazil, I see that in its essence. So all of those instruments naturally, just stuff that I adapted and started learning how to play. And as a kid, you went to Salvador then when you were? Yes, Salvador, Bahia. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Spent some time in, in Sao Paulo too, but mostly the time spent was in... in uh, Bahia. Yeah, awesome. God, that's so cool. You got to go as yeah. such a young person. Tell us about some of the groups that you run. Like, um, you have like a women's group, and you have yeah, yeah. Tell us about some of these. So, I have an all women's. I like to say all all queens ensemble. They're called Bloco Obini. And Obini in Yoruba, West African language, means women, strong women. Well, women. Um, but for us, the whole purpose of Bloco Obini is to to empower and enlighten entire generation. Um, there's this quote that we like to say. It actually came from Malcolm X. And I like to say this quote because as much as we can look at his legacy and his very militant stance in the civil rights civil rights movement, but a very legitimate stance. Um, he spoke on something in regards to women that I think people often miss. And he said that if you enlighten a man, you only inspire another man. But if you enlighten a woman, you would inspire you inspire an entire generation. And so that's something that I believe that Bloco Obini represents. Um, I don't see anything like that outside of Brazil. I, what I was inspired by being very young, um, I saw Jida. Oh, they're great. Uh, Banda Jida. And I actually, um, the last time I was in Brazil, about four years ago, I got a chance to hang out with Vivian, who's one of the leaders of Jida, and and really hear the philosophy of what blocos and, and, you know, and Afro blocos are all about. And, you know, it's it's... It's an institute of learning. It's a place where you can go and you're not only learning how to drum, you're not only learning about, you know, the culture of Brazil, but you're empowering, you're empowering yourself, you're empowering the generation, and you're also standing up for your rights. And, you know, you're, you're, you're a big group of people, you have this big sound, and your message is heard all over the streets, you know, and they're funded hmm. by you know, the little bit that they can make from the art to have a building or to have a location. And I believe that's something that inspired me. And, you know, I wanted to do something like that here. It'd be an institute of learning. It'd be something that empowers people. And honestly, I teach 
a couple different classes in LA, a couple different styles. And I have a lot, something that's really interesting that's happening now is I have a lot more women students than I have men. Hmm. And so for whatever reason that is, but they're serious. They're very interested in learning. A lot of them are dancers, but they still are really, really interested in the drum. And the drum is providing some type of healing in their life. So I thought, you know what? With all of these people who are consistent and, you know, they're and they're just as inspired by the drum as I am and they're finding that it heals them. So why don't we start a group? And so now we have about 15 to anywhere from 15 and up strong. And honestly, it's so funny because I get a lot of calls and anywhere from, you know, if we're performing on a big stage, you know, corporate stage to Skate Road, which is one of the uh, areas out here in downtown Los Angeles, is really, really poor. Um, if we're at a place like that, or if we're at a school, if whatever the circumstance, but to see this group of women drummers playing and playing well, it's not cute. It's not trying to play. Right. You know, we rehearse consistent. They come to my class. They've been putting in years. And so I consider them drummers. I consider them, you know, they can put down those drums and they could dance for you. And their mothers, they're, you know, school teachers, you know, they're nurses, they're normal people, you know, they're, they're people that do what they do in the world. But when it comes to local Obini, they inspire you through music and through the art. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I was lucky enough one year, I, well, I went a couple years, but one year I was able to go to Camp Ferreta with, and uh, Mabadi Kaeta was there and he did this really long talk with everybody one night. It was amazing. And he was saying how, you know, it's, he was making fun or, or saying it was ridiculous that women aren't allowed to drum in some cultures. Cause he's like, that's where it comes mm-hmm. from. It comes from the mm-hmm. women rocking the baby right. and having someone like clap their hands mm-hmm. and they're kind of keeping a rhythm while they're kind of bouncing mm-hmm. with the child and then their friends or daughters or whatever, kind of, you know, right. tapping on the table or, you know, kind of start to bang. And then, <laughs> and then they start, it starts developing into a dance and that's kind of where the dance came from. And then he was saying, and then mm-hmm. they, they pulled in the guy right. who was just sitting in the corner and said, here, beat, the, beat this drum. Like, <laughs> keep the rhythm for us while we keep dancing. <laughs> and he's like, it came yeah. from the women. Like, we need to respect this. Yeah, it was It was a really, uh, right. the way he, like, evolved the story, too, was, like, pretty funny. So, yeah, it was good. Yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, across the, the African diaspora, something that doesn't always get discussed is that, yeah, about 30 years ago, up until about 30, even as recent as 15 years ago, I would say, you know, there was, you know, in a lot of cultures, women were not allowed to drum. And I tell this story a lot because some, I've, I've heard a lot of different teachers, obviously Mama Diketa, you know, you know, stands up and educates us that, yeah, like it, the djembe was created out of a motor and pestle. The women were using that and they, they, if you've ever been to Africa, you can see when they're using the motor and pestle, like it could be three to four people in one. And as they're doing it, they're clapping and singing songs, Yeah, you know, and often in the diaspora, where I don't, I don't care if it's Cuba, if it's Brazil, it's usually the women who create the songs, you know? So the dialogue and the songs, that's where it comes from. I mean, I don't, some traditionalists wouldn't like me saying this, but Ayang Agalu, which is the spirit of the drum, is a woman energy, it's a feminine energy. It's a woman deity, you know? So <laughs> that that's just that just sums it up. But I will say this. I was in Cuba 
And I, right before, a couple of months before he passed away, I had the opportunity to take lessons with uh, Esteban Chacha. And mm -hmm. he was a legendary uh, Ilu Bata, um, Omo Oshun. He also was the lead conga player for Los Muñequitos de Matanzas for many years. Um, he was significant because he could play not only Havana style, but also Matanza style. Um, and, you know, I mean, you say his name, Cha-Cha, like you're talking about the the side of the bata, that's the Cha-Cha side, the slap side. Right. And his was what pierce your ears, it break your eardrums, you know. So I got a chance right before he passed to, to learn from him. And it's funny because uh, I had my big sis with me and we, we, you know, we go in and we're talking about doing class and... Luckily, at this point, I was already initiated into Bata. So he's like, okay, we're going to do this class, but we're going to play the consecrated drums. That's just the way it is, the old school way, you know? Mm -hmm. And so he's like, cool, cool, cool. We set it up. And then, you know, my big sis, she's also a drummer, Nikki Campbell. And uh, so she's like, yeah, so uh, can I take the class? And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. I can't, you know, it's Anyang, like the traditional consecrated drums. You can't have a woman, you know, play. And, you know, he, he was like, yeah, I can't, I, I'd be ashamed of myself if I, if I did that. So she said, she said, why? And she wasn't mad. She was simply asking why. And so his answer was this. He said, because not only is the spirit of the drum, you know, Ayang Agalu, is it a, is it a woman deity? But yet that women are sacred. He said, so this is the one thing that we can do is beat this drum in honor of women. So I'd be ashamed of myself if I, if I didn't respect it that much. And honestly, she was like, wow, can't say anything about that. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so I think that, that that also was a very beautiful answer instead of it, that conversation always getting shot down like by traditionalists, like, oh, no, this is, can't happen. So, right. But now there's a lot of legends surrounding that. You know, if you look at Guinea. The story of Les Amazonas, uh, um, the whole legend that there was an all-women's drum troupe. I think they're still around. I got a chance to work with him. But there was a Jimbe Fola legendary. His name is Numo Diketa. And he passed away. And so the legend is, is his wife, she one day had a vision that he came to her and he said, can you take my drum out of storage and play it? And so then she did. She said, he said, basically, my drum is sad. The, you know, my, my village is sad. Like, I need you to take my drum out and play it. So she did. And thus, that led to Les Amazonas, you know, all these, these women killing it, drumming. And so now you're starting to see that more. Like, you go to Cuba, you see a, a Obini Bata, you know, in Havana. And in Matanzas, there's another group, Obini Abercula. You know, and so you're starting to see it more, and it's being more and more and more accepted. I want to see an all-female yeah. sabar group. That'd be amazing. Ooh, well, <laughs> about that, about that. Maybe, maybe you need to start so, that. I had a teacher that didn't want to teach me sabar because, well, I found out later <laughs> from his friend that it was. Mm -hmm. I could never figure out why he didn't want to. He'd teach me the dance, but not the. Mm -hmm. Not the drumming. I found out later from his friend said it was because mm -hmm. I was a woman, but I don't know if that's. Well, I have no way really of knowing if that's true, but that's what his friend <laughs> said. From, from, from Senegal, like another Senegalese right. guy. I'd say look at look at Dudu and Jairos from Senegal. Okay. He is a legend, okay. a legendary uh, star player. He's the pioneer 
he's the the one who took that instrument and made it like okay instead of having like your traditional tenor beer with you know four or five sabar going this guy put like 20 30 sabar you know and they were all mm. his family and take mm. a look because you're gonna it's it's interesting what you're gonna see because it's daughters it's sons it's cool. you know his, his entire family so you know I wonder what that sounds like it's a huge sound and it's epic it's like it's already i mean the thing that made me it, i mean i went crazy the literally mm-hmm. the, well not literally but the first time i heard sabar played by like master teachers you know mm-hmm. i think it was at Ferreta one year mm-hmm. i could not believe what i was hearing i like this is the most wicked shit i've ever heard i just i kind of <laughs> like blew my mind i could not get around it like my head around what was happening and then um uh 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 but you you watch it on videos mm-hmm. and stuff and recordings. It just you can't you don't realize what's you can't see yeah, what's going can't. on. You can't feel how it it's going around the circle and like what's actually happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How it yeah. Feels on it's, your it's, body it's, it's yeah. It's it's dope. Um, it's crazy. It's it's pretty. It's pretty. Uh, from a rhythmic geeky standpoint, I would say that a lot of counter rhythms, a lot of swing, but the the breaks are very connected to the dance. Mm-hmm. Um, there's dances that only women do and, uh, mostly women dance. And then there's also, you know, the men, um, so a lot of it is language and a lot of it, you know, is very, very structured. And so I, I just think when you put that on a big sound, like you multiply that, you know, times like 20, right? I mean, you're getting some of the most intricate crazy orchestrations that you'll ever hear right right you yeah know? so check out definitely check out doodoo and gyros i think he only has one album out he passed away i want to say oof i don't want to give a bad number but he passed away not a while ago there was another master drummer sabar his name was Sheck, and he he might have been i'm not sure if he's ever been down to Ferretta, but he's definitely another one who his sound and he and, and that drum and his 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 legacy is definitely one to to be recognized. Yeah, yeah, cool. I'll check those out. Yeah. Um, going back to your local, um, mm-hmm. what's the structure of the group? Do you have section leaders and do you have somebody that leads when you're you're away? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. How does that work? Good question. So right now, I I keep the traditional samba hegi style and samba afro mm-hmm. style um traditional bloco like i try to be very like this is the old school way these are the different types of samba hege different types of samba afro so i maintain the section structure like so the hepikis play this way the kaisas play this way the dobras meaning the high sudos play this way the one and twos play so i try to keep like when i teach my classes really provide that etiquette and foundation and after that i give some breaks that are kind of popular, but for the most part, because I wanted this to be something that's completely original and something that's really, really, really thought out and stands on its own. I really put original breaks mm-hmm. cool. um, on top of those traditional rhythms. So basically they can, there's certain people that are definitely the lead happy uh, key players or people who can lead it, but I tend to, always be present and i just call out whatever calls for the moment sometimes we perform um we did a there's a big show that i do 
every season. It's called Extra Ancestral. And it's a band that I have. It's called Capo Fresh Ensemble. Um, some of the most amazing musicians in LA, in my opinion. Um, and then we usually, Bloco Obini opens the night. And this last one actually was super epic. I had Danda Daora. Oh, I love Danda. Um, she sung and danced. And I also had Angela dance. Oh, my goodness. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Hosangela killed. I be <laughs> and I um, I've, I've also had uh, Veda Passos dance. Mm-hmm. And um, we, Rachel Hernandez, and just strong dancers, really. Uh, some members of Vive Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the whole thing is, like, incorporating, like, when it's the band and we're playing anything from you know, Afrobeat to Afro-Brazilian traditional or Afro-Cuban traditional, but fusing it into contemporary music. We always have dance the entire time. So then when you have the local, sometimes the dancers put their drums down and then they're dancing and sometimes dancers come in and do choreography. So it's a full package. Sounds and um, yeah, sounds to cool. answer your, your it's it's really you gotta there's the next one if i may you may extra yeah. ancestral <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. will be april 14th at the skirball center here in los angeles mm-hmm. california which is a big big theater connected to a, I believe it's connected to the getty center um don't quote me on that but the skirball center is a major venue here in los angeles and nice. they're we're taking the extra ancestral show to the skirball center Ah, great. Yeah, yeah, give us the details. We'll, we'll put it in that, the show yeah. notes. For sure. Yeah, we'll post it in the show notes. That sounds fun. Awesome. And then you just mentioned that uh, you uh, are a part of Viva Brazil. Can yes. you talk about that group? That's a great group that I love watching and listening to, of course. So, Vive Brazil. Man, I love this group. So, um, Linda Udine and Luis Badaro the directors of Viva Brazil. I've been with them for quite some time. And I must say that they're doing some really beautiful work um, in the Afro-Brazilian community. They always align themselves with really good people who are doing really good work in holding down Afro-Brazilian dance and the culture in general. Mm-hmm. People like Don SEC, amazing elder and uh, amazing encyclopedia and storyteller. Um, you have, you know, they've done works with Silvestri, uh, Hosangela, with Veda, they've done, you know, we've, we've had so many beautiful dancers float in and out. And, you know, over time, it's really developing more than just performances around LA County or just touring, you know, it's, it's not just about, it's about teaching and they've actually now become an institute where, you know, we go out all over LA County. And now we've been starting to tour. We, we just came back from Alabama last year. Uh, we were able to take the, the culture and the teachings to, to the forefront of the civil rights movement in Alabama, where, where it originated. And we were able to teach at St. Paul's church, which is right next to uh, where the, the bombing went at, at 16th street Baptist church. When the bombing went what on. What year did you do this? Uh, we did this just la- not even a year ago, February of oh, wow. 2018. Yeah. So um, we got to do every year they do a, a reenactment of the bridge crossing in Selma. Mm-hmm. 
mm. that mm-hmm. that was led, you know, during the civil rights movement by Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. So they do a uh, reenactment of the bridge crossing. It's a it's a parade that they do, and Vive Brazil got to be in the front and lead that parade across the bridge this year. So that's where the work is going now. It's 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 uh, we do also stuff in the community, the underprivileged areas like Lamert Park and in light of the the gentrification that's happening in, in that area and those bit black owned businesses being lost and now it becoming very commercial, what's happening is they're kicking people out of their homes there. So it's a lot of homeless people around the area now. So the energy went from this super cultural, groovy happening place to kind of like a, you know, there's, there is culture there. They do an art walk every Sunday, every uh, last Sunday of the month, and they're trying to keep the culture going. But it used to be like the world stage, like jazz, all the jazz heads, all the hip hop heads, the Project Blow, you know, all the drummers from Cuban, Brazilian, African, everything. There was just stuff always happening in there. And remnants of that are still trying to kind of keep it going, but it's fading. And Viva Brazil does this event called, uh, or this residency called Samba in the Streets. And Samba in the Streets for us, Samba stands for social activism through music of Brazil and Africa. And it's an acronym that stands for what, you know, what our role is there is to 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 not just teach samba because if if anything, you know, we're doing samba heke, we're doing we're doing, you know, Orisha dance and um you know, Samba Afro. So we're not just embracing just Samba, but for us, we're doing it's social activism. We're, we're making the people aware that, you know, even though it may be Brazilian, know your history, know that just because you say the word Brazilian does not mean that you take out the African part of it. And that's something that even when we went to Alabama was really interesting because when you're being punished in your education, like they are, and for so many years, as we know, um, you know, sometimes people don't know where they come from. They don't know their history. And so they, they look at even even the conscious brothers, you know, and the and the revolutionary brothers, you know, could be once be ignorant and think that, you know, when you say African, like people sometimes black people don't have enough pride to like stand up and say, Yeah, I wanna be Africans. It sounds like Ooga Booga, because that's what the media shows us. Ooga booga like Africans, these poor people that live in huts and stuff. So you gotta imagine if not even accepting the African, then when you say the word Brazilian, Afro-Brazilian, they don't connect with it at all. And at one point, we were even doing a show in Alabama at a Black student union, like, you know, expo or something. And they brought us in and they announced Vive Brazil. And they said, oh, they're going to do their spirit dance and they're going to call on their ancestors. Hmm. And I heard that and I get it. I understand the misconception because when you don't know when you're not taught that, you didn't know when you, you didn't know the slaves, not only did they go to America, but they went to the Caribbeans. They went all of these different places and they're African people. And they preserved remnants of the culture where they went. And so the Afro-Brazilian is no different than the African-American, no different than the Afro-Cuban, no different than the Afro-Puerto Rican, no different than the Afro-Colombian. But if you're not taught that, then you can look at somebody who looks just like you, like vet apostles, who someone is looking right at her and she's a black Brazilian, right? And you're looking across at someone who's a Southern black person born in America and they don't think that they're connected. 
And one thing that I had to say, and it, and it really hit home and connected all the work that we were doing. I said, listen, what is one thing that we all have in common? And that is, is that we all have ancestors. So we all have ancestors. And it just so happens that when I'm looking across the room at these Southern blacks, you know, and I'm, I'm an African-American, but it doesn't matter. We all have answers. And it just so happens that our answers are one and the same. And at the end of the day, if you go back far enough, they're all one and the same, right? So whatever you worship or whatever it is that spirit, however you embrace spirit to guide you and help you in life and assist you in life, that's your preference. One doesn't have to be better than the other, but we're all connected in spirit because we all have ancestors. It definitely let me know, like, okay, you know, just because, you know, you go to the South or just, you know, you travel places, you have to understand the conditions that people in um, force us to have a, a perception of things that sometimes are not always what it is. And, you know, I think that you can talk about the negative negativity of slavery in, in your history books because I mean, any mention of that is a negative one right any mention of of the transatlantic of slave trade is you think about it that's not a positive story to talk about but yet in our history books we hear about all these great battles and all these negative things all the time but hmm. you have to understand that the way that i look at it is yeah you heard the story you know of this but how beautiful is it that these people's culture still remains that they play these drums, they do these dances, they sing these beautiful songs, and they honor their their ancestry, and they 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 love one another in the way that they can, mm -hmm. and whatever that looks like for wherever it is that you are, right? And that survived, and it survived time because it didn't matter how tough those seas were, but we made it over, you know, and so. I look at it like, you know, if we confine ourselves to the education and, and look at the music as just music and we don't see that the music is part of that story too. So the music and, and the songs and the lessons from the songs and what they're talking about, I mean, any song, a Manding song, Afro-Brazilian song, Capoeira song, listen to the message in that, in that. And that affects you in your life, not only just in like you're at a club nodding your head to good music, but that touches you in a certain way. And if you create mantras out of the positive messages in those songs, then you're creating positive things in your life. Awesome. So I think that without being too like wordy about it, I just think that that's for me with, with Afro-Brazilian or African, like, you know, the, the, co the, the stuff that I'm versed in, that's what it does. It, these messages are, are a part of my life and I look at it as a healing tool, you know, and instead of going on the radio and for, Pardon my French, but like, I don't get a F about you, little stupid ass, you know, and saying stuff that does not do anything for our people, you know, at least you have these remnants of things that survive the trials of time that our ancestors blessed us with that say nothing but positive things, you know? Well, one thing that's really wonderful about, about you is that you have studied very deeply and for a very long time as a child from a lot of these different... Um, I don't want to say genres, all these different, what do you, how, how should I say this? All these different, <laughs> yeah, genres. you know, from Cuba and from Brazil and from Africa, you know, there's so much depth to Africa and you know, a lot of it and you studied a lot of it. And then I was listening to your CD, the Capo Fresh, and <laughs> nice. you have incorporated all of that stuff <laughs> with like this beautiful, um, 
over layer of of modern sounds from the u.s and and like even like i would say like european Mm -hmm. techno kind of stuff in that and also like sort of some i mean spoken word things and it's god it's so and it's kind of it has this calmness to it that is really really nice and you're like one of the i think you are the perfect person to have made this music because sometimes you hear people trying to do that put this in put some of those elements mm-hmm. into popular music, but it just comes across as like, you're sort of, uh, yeah, you're, you don't understand what you're doing, but right. you understand at a very deep level what all this is. And mm-hmm. yeah, your music is beautiful. I was listening to it um, earlier today and I was really impressed, man. Yeah. I appreciate you have that. created something really awesome. When is that CD coming appreciate out? Tell us about, is the name of your group Capo Fresh and the CD is also Capo Fresh? So, the uh, the name of the group is Capo Fresh Ensemble. Okay. And the reason why I chose the name Capo Fresh because, in the spirit of capoeira, which is a movement of resistance and a a fight of the of the people, and and fresh being the voice of the streets, you know, and like the hip hop part, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and 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 the voice of the people. So putting these two where I'm from, putting that concept to this movement of resistance of the Afro-Brazilian people, capoeira, you know, so capo fresh, right? Mm-hmm. So then, um, but the name of the movement as a whole is extra ancestral. And Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and so the name of the album is going to be extra ancestral, but when you say extra ancestral, you're talking about so many things. You're talking about the album. You're talking about an event that happens, right, you know, right. that a gathering where we all come together mm-hmm. and you're putting all of these things, dance and, and, and all these different African diasporic things with, with the voice of the people. And you're just creating an environment that's extra ancestral. So you're not going to just a concert. You're in it. You're in this room that's being transformed into this, this shrine. And you're able to just let go and just be in the movement. And um, so there's that. Um, awesome. And the reason why I chose extra ancestral because I was having interesting enough. I was having a conversation with an elder of mine, and we were talking about the Orisha and the, these ancestral beings that come to and from Earth to assist us, you know, and 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 help us in our lives with things that we may not be able to do on our own, right? And so we were talking about like, yeah, you know, they always say like aliens built the the pyramids and you know, and out of space and you know, Stonehenge and they the aliens and these extraterrestrial beings and it was like yeah but you know what what if they were referring to orisha or what if they were referring to these extra ancestral beings right right. yeah right i love that so then then so then that kind of came up with the concept extra ancestral so the music will be um we just recorded we did a live studio session actually last week that i'm really excited about I'm going to interrupt um, you for a second. I'm going to interrupt you for a second and say okay. also that extra ancestrals kind mm-hmm. of like incorporate some Afrofuturism in it too, like ideas and mm-hmm. concepts of that. That dude, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> no, all good. Um, so the music, um, we are going to be releasing a lot of music in the next coming, you know, months. Um, leading up to April. Um, oh. We're going to drop a 45 vinyl of part B and, you know, part A, part B of some really groovy and extra ancestral music. Um, so that's in the works. And in a few weeks time, I'm going to release some stuff on all platforms, um, 
Spotify, Tidal, all the iTunes, you know. Um, I think the SoundCloud is really there. It's It's been getting a lot of love. And I'm so thankful for the way that the music, what I love about SoundCloud is, you know, your music gets all over the world. There's people who send me comments from like Lebanon and like, hey, can I use your song for, for an event that I'm doing? Can I spin oh. this? And so, you know, it's really a good way to to get the music buzzing, you know, in, in the world. But definitely, you know, I'm going to start really releasing the album. It's It's been a five-year process for me because... I don't know. I'm never done. I'm always adding more. I'm always recording more. I'm always learning more. <laughs> you know. There's so much to it. Like every every track is like three or four songs, and it's got depth to it. I mean, it, this is may be like a weird comparison, but it's like a Bjork song where there's just so much going on. <laughs> Word. <laughs> yeah, and and I, it's humbled me out. Like I've had to, you know, I had like a like a, a eight minute song. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna break this up. But I just feel that. I just feel like mm-hmm. it's it, it is a movement, and there's there's a story being told. It works, and, no, dude, it works. And, and I feel like in order for me to tell that story, I just have to be raw. Like I'm just making music at this point. I don't I don't feel. Yeah. I know on a radio, you know, you got a song has to be about two minutes, thirty seconds long for it for like it to play, you know. But I feel like you know, I just have so much music in me and hey, however long, like you listen to an old Fela track, that, that joint will be about 12 minutes long before the voice even comes <laughs> right. in. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. <laughs> You're like, oh, oh, that's right. We're at a Fela yeah. concert. That's right. <laughs> Every musician that took a solo and then, oh, okay. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, it's so, it's, it's whole. Mm-hmm. It's like you, you're telling a whole story, which is great. And, you know, it reminded me, I don't know if you remember Pedrito Martinez's group, Yerba, Bu- Yerba Buena. It kind of, of reminded course. me of that same kind of feel. And mm-hmm. then I started thinking, man, you and Pedrito mm-hmm. should make a CD together. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. Hey, that'd be dope. That'd be dope. I, um, I have a lot of respect. That guy is oh super talented musician. Yeah, super I've talented. been listening to him for years, and I'm so glad he's gotten the respect he he's deserved yeah but he was in portland last year his hands are so fast he has some heavy hands yeah yeah, yeah. so i'm putting it out there you and pedrito hey hey let's say let's manifest it you know we're well we know you listen to this podcast pedrito (laughs) (laughs) no but listen 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 all right they said pedrito khalil collaboration (laughs) We're we're gonna. I want to talk about this event that you're coming to Portland okay. for, and you know, um, Scotty mm-hmm. can put a word. In <laughs> yeah. So, so we'll talk to him. February, yes. So this event is gonna be cool. Actually, it's interesting that you say that because Pedito and I are in the same LP family. You know, um, Latin percussion family. Mm, right. We have mm. a lot of, uh, you know, people in connection. Yes. Yeah, so the wonderful. Freyla, my good friend, Freyla Blanco and Scotty are putting on this amazing, really cool event in Portland on February 23. It's going to go from 10 a.m. to about 5 p.m. And the whole ideal is to to celebrate the the, the diaspora, but particularly focusing on, on the connection between Cuba and Brazil. So you're going to have some really cool guests. Um, you know, classes going all day for dancers. Make sure you bring your skirts. 
Um, you're gonna have uh, Song Class by Edic by Beta. You're gonna have Afro Brazilian Dance with the incredible Rachel Hernandez, also uh, part of Vive Brazil, strong dancer. You join me. Um, you're gonna have Afro Cuban Dance with Freyla. You know, um, you know Portland. You know, living out there in Portland for a while now, doing great work. And so, um, and then I, you know, Scotty giving a great talk. So, um, we'll be going all day. I think individual workshops are $25. Um, and I believe, yes, there is a Roomba performance Ooh, on Sunday nice. and it's only $10. So come through. We got some special treats for you guys. I will be there. Yeah. Cool. And Portland cool, locals, um, I called the theater the other day and um, they need drums for this event. So uh, okay. if you guys have okay. drums laying around. Um, yeah. Yes, we need drums. We need congas, whatever Brazilian drums that you may have. Surdos, hepikis, caixas, sticks. I'll probably yeah. handle the sticks. But yes, mm -hmm. come through. Strap. Um, yeah. And what are you going to be another, uh, what, in, what kind of class are you going to be teaching that day? I'll be teaching a Afro-Brazilian percussion class. Awesome. So I'm going to do some songs. Um, I'm probably going to focus on the first 30 minutes doing some Orisha traditional Afro-Brazilian music. And then we'll see the connection to that, to the more contemporary styles in Brazil. So then we'll go over to like the big, fun samba hege. That's if we have the drums for it. If we have the drums for it. Well, I'm bringing, I'm taking, I called them the other day and offered to bring, I've got four surdues I can take over there. Perfect. Other things. But yeah, yeah I've, I've told everyone in the local Samba group community to take their drums over there. But yeah, yeah, yeah I'm going to yeah. actually, I'm sad. I'm going to miss it. I'm going to be in Brazil. When, hey. when I mean, it's going to be awesome. I'll be in Brazil, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sad. I'm going to miss that, but it should be good. Everybody. Yes. Yay. Come through. I'm, I'm really excited. You know, I've been, um, I've been to Portland quite a few times in the past 10 years um, with working with uh, my brother, Seku Suma Darrell Seku. He's awesome. Um, and uh, Sebe Khan and the family. So I'm usually, I'm like in Portland about three to four times a year for the past, you know, 10 years. You were just here, right? Right on. Yeah, literally a week ago. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I actually was at that show. My friend uh, had texted me. She's like, hey, do you want to go to this thing? Yeah. It's like, yeah, sure, I'll go. And mm -hmm. it's raining. It got there late. Yeah, because right. the traffic and it was terrible. Then I was like, holy cow, this is amazing. Those kids were so beautiful yeah. and their outfits were amazing. Yeah. And you guys sounded so good. Yeah. I was like, man, I got to reskin my dunes. <laughs> like, this is, I'm getting all excited. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just saw a, a video on Facebook of Yay. Cool. Yeah, it was fun. So yeah. shout out to Seku and the fam out there in Portland. You know, I, I'm I'm really comfortable out there. It feels like home. So it's nice actually. And every time I'm up there I try to link up with Freyla. And so it feels good to to be able to do multiple things now, connecting all the dots, things that you know, everything that I can do, you know. So mm -hmm. I want that community, Seku and a West African dance community, y'all come out too, you know. Let's let's get some Afro Brazilian, Afro Cuban up, feel me? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And we'll awesome. post the information for that on uh, our website and yeah, on sure. um, our Facebook page too. Cool. Instagram. All right. Well, Diana, do you have any more questions? Courtney? You got to <laughs> let this guy go. I know mm -hmm. uh, Khalil has to take off here. He has a show. So any last, would you like to 
say anything about um, yourself that we've maybe missed. <laughs> anything about your anything about your work or any upcoming shows? Um, um, doing a cool event actually here in LA. If you're in LA, February three, um, in honor of in Bahia they celebrate Yemajade on February two. So February three, we're doing a event centered around that theme um Freyla will be coming to la actually and we're teaming up with nice. uh rachel hernandez and myself and some some incredible musicians and we're gonna do you know some afro-cuban and afro-cuban workshop on it's called this the name of the workshop is called yemaja asaba and basically translates to yemaja the one who is chosen excuse me the one who was chosen to be honored so we're going to bring a really cool discussion into the mix because we're going to talk about, you know, the the way that it's the the source of where the information is coming from, Nigeria, and how it's worshipped there and how through the transatlantic slave trade, it went to different places and how you have certain times that they honor certain Orisha and it becomes a part of their culture in that way. Um, but what is what is the ocean represent for people who are obviously in a different place what is it that they see in the ocean so we're going to um you know not only is it did it protect them through that journey but also you know the early jobs and you, you look at a place like cuba it's an island you look at you know places like brazil right there in bahia like you know the ports so they were farmers you know they this is you know where you're getting fish and so there's so many connections to to the ocean and 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 samba de Hoda and all the different ways that you know you can honor the ocean so it's very important to to people of the diaspora so we're kind of bringing the the source in and what it is in nigeria and then those connections in the diaspora so it's going to be a real cool because then after we have that discussion then we get to make those connections through the dance and the music yeah so February 3 at Brazil Brazil Culture Center in Los Angeles from 12 from 12 yeah. to 3. I want to go to that too. <laughs> awesome. All right everybody go check that out. Yay. We should have this podcast episode up by then. Cool. So, Beautiful. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to that, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that. We will post uh, links to his social media and um, all the information about him. But if you want to find him, he's at KhalilCummings.com. K-A-H-L-I-L-C-U-M-M-I-N-G-S.com. He's also on Instagram and he's on Facebook. And uh, I'm not sure he's on Twitter, but um, we will post all of his social media um, on the website. Also, vivebrazil.com, V-I-V-E-R-B-R-A-S-I-L.com. And if you go to his website, you can listen to uh, Capo Fresh, um, some cuts from that, yeah. and it's really great. Do that. Highly recommended. All right. This episode was sponsored by GoSamba. Yay. Thanks, <laughs> GoSamba. Uh, the, the America's premier... <laughs> <laughs> Mail order. <laughs> Mail order... Samba gear. So run by uh, a female. 
woman-owned business. Yes. That's right. <laughs> uh, the go top Samba. one in the U.S. <laughs> GoSamba.net. Go check it out. Oh, uh, also, if you want something, uh, buy it now because I'm going to Brazil. I'm going to shut the store down probably for the time I'm there. So, Or if you need something special. Yeah. If you need something special, let me know. I might be able to just pick it up for you. Nice. I need a really big drum, Courtney. <laughs> Can you bring that back, please? One of those, like, like Marco has, 29-inch Sardu or whatever it is. Yes, I need one of those. <laughs> bring it back in your luggage, please. Okay. <laughs> so we wanted to uh, talk about a couple of different things. I wanted to talk... Um, about uh, my group, Marika 2 PDX. Um, we're having our second Marika 2 PDX fundraiser, um, and we are going to have a great guest uh, performing. That would be Mr. Francisco Marquez from Boulder, Colorado. He Francisco. was also, uh, he's a great CBC friend, and he was uh, our guest for episode 39. He's going to be dishing out the pagogi and samba, and we just can't wait to have him here. He's going to be doing classes um, and uh, the event on Saturday, February 16th. So if you are in the Portland area or close by, come on down for this event. The funds from this event are hopefully going to help us bring um, our mentor and teacher, Pitoko Jiaira, uh, to Portland for um, our big event, our Pride Parade weekend. Um, he's never been here for that, and he's always been our inspiration. And uh, this year, our Orisha that we're um, dedicating it to is Shango. And of course, Pitoko's Orisha is uh, Shango, Master of the Drum. So uh, we're really excited to bring him back this um, spring. He's also going to be at the International Samba Congress. Um, in LA and he will also make a stop in San Francisco so he's going to do a little tour this spring if you're interested in workshops about that you can contact me um, and you can reach me at the Brazilian Beat email yeah check it out Monica 2 PDX fundraiser February 16th and for those of you in the Pacific Northwest the Pride Parade is on a separate weekend this year than the Solstice Parade in Seattle so those of you who've uh, kind of had to choose a weekend and an event to be involved with, um, they're on separate weekends this year. So it finally, the, the events used to be on different weekends and then for like three or four years they were on the same weekend, but now we're back to separate weekends. And we had um, some members like from Arcada last year that did the events in Seattle and then they came down that very next morning and paraded with us and had a really good time. So... Uh, Thanks to our friends in Arcada. Shout out to you. Yeah, Neil and all those guys. Yep. Yay. Um, but what weekend is it? Which one? What weekend is Solstice? Is it? It's the weekend after. Oh, that's the International Psalm Congress. Yes. Yes. Interesting. That happened last year, too, I think. Was it? I think so. Oh, it was the same weekend. Yeah, that's right. Although those Arcada people go everywhere. They're crazy. Yeah, yeah they are. So everyone, we have a few bills coming due, and we'd also like to get some new microphones and hire some translators. So if, if you're interested in helping us do that, we will have a PayPal ready to go for that, and we will send more information soon. Also, there is a new Facebook group started by uh, me and a couple friends. Um, 
where we are starting a Batteria Directors group. It's a it's a Facebook group for us to share information and kind of talk about things. It's um, a private group, so you can <laughs> kind of share about um, challenges and everything and share information about um, directing a group, resources, everything. So come join that. There's also a Monica 2 group. <laughs> called Monica 2 North America that's been in existence for a while um, and if you want to join that um, look for Monica 2 North America and I can get you into that group I, I do all that stuff <laughs> so another big event coming up uh, is California Brazil camp that's coming up in August of this year but the faculty list should be coming out later this week at the end of the week and then registration couple of weeks after that. That's always a highlight for me, for Courtney. I hope she makes it this year. She's, she may not come, but she's uh, on the fence. <laughs> yeah, but I think she'll make it. Uh, so if you have any questions about that, let us know and check out the website. It's calbrazilcam.com. Um, and once again, the faculty list will be out a couple days, in a couple days, in a week, hopefully soon. Um, and you can decide which week you want to go. There's some, I already know a couple of the guests coming and I am so excited. I am really excited. Um, for me. <laughs> so I'm sure you'll be excited too, but somebody on that list, I'm just, I've been dying to uh, have come to camp and finally that's going to happen. So yeah, check out uh, calbrazilcamp.com. It's so selfish of me, but I'm so excited. Uh, yeah. Courtney, do you have anything to say about camp? <laughs> uh, if you guys have never been, you should go. If you've been, you know it's it's a really wonderful time. The, the unique thing about California Brazil Camp is you're all staying and living together. So you're all... Mm -hmm. um, you're all camping together. You're spending, the, you know, not spending the night together. That sounds weird. Well, I don't know. <laughs> well, that does happen. But uh, <laughs> you're eating breakfast together. I mean, music is happening all the time. It's like yeah. kind of like it. It is FOMO because you don't want to miss anything because there's always something happening around the corner or down on the creek bed or exactly. at the amphitheater, um, and you just want to be everywhere at, you know, all given times. And sometimes you don't make it, but appreciate the times you do because uh, yeah, there's some great moments yeah just all like there's maybe three hours in the middle of the night when there's only like one party still happening <laughs> the rest of the time it's just all all music and fun and classes and dance classes and just wonderful and being able to talk with your your teachers you know hanging out at the couch in front mm -hmm. of the store just you know and just the impromptu music that happens there so like last yeah. year you and Lauren saw that. Yeah, it was it was great. It was really great. A lot of the different teachers would come through, and then somebody'd have a guitar, and they would start singing and just kind of work something out right there. Somebody and, with a pandeta would come by yeah. and join in, and yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was pretty cool. It being like Mark Marcos Costa was there singing, and just it was almost like standing next to him. You're like chest is vibrating his voice is so deep when he's singing you can feel it in your own body like <laughs> it's without like microphones you know without amplification he you know it's just amazing being around some of these people and their talent yeah so don't miss out on california brazil camp august 2019 um, i know people want to know who's coming when for their 
so they can set up their vacation days. But uh, hopefully that's coming out soon. Um, so check it out. If you'd like to learn more about the Brazilian Beat, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can also find us on at www.thebrazilianbeat.com. If you have recommendations for guests, somebody you'd like to hear, email us at thebrazilianbeat at gmail.com. Also, send us videos of your group. Show your group off. We'd uh, love to post some of that on, on social media and, and uh, yeah, show you off a little bit. Um, we are on Facebook, The Brazilian Beat Podcast, Twitter, the Brazilian, or no, Brazilian Beat One, and what else? Instagram at the Brazilian Beat, right? Yeah, something. Just look for the Brazilian Beat. Yeah, just <laughs> we're there. Yeah, you'll see us in our blue logo. Yes. Cool. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Ciao.